Break yourself, fool! everybody and welcome to episode four of the Jackson Reaction Podcast. I'm Gene Jackson along with Rose Jackson. And this week uh, we have what I consider to be a very fun topic and at least something that uh, we have to be very knowledgeable about because it's a huge part of our lifetime and that is the 90s. Yes. We are um, in our 30s. So the bulk of our childhood, the younger younger years of our childhood was spent in the 80s, teenage years up through the 90s, 2000s and beyond, but a very formative part of our, our teenage years was spent in the 90s, and I know uh, you're pretty excited about this podcast because you got a lot of memories and favorite things from that time period. I do. I have a lot of my favorite movies that came out during that time, a lot of my favorite music that I love to listen to still to today um came out during that time you had the the evolution of of music that basically took off such as grunge and alternative rock um it was very um uh, very big at that time it was something different because you come out of the 80s where everything was big hair and and cheesiness and just over the top glam rock type things and then you moved into the 90s where you had the grunge rock and uh, completely different look, completely different sound, completely different attitude. And uh, it kind of reflected uh, the way the world was changing uh, besides just music. And of course, you know, you had Nirvana leading the charge um, of, of that movement of grunge rock. And while I'm I'm not a huge fan of, of that, I mean, I, I enjoy it, but... I've gone on record as saying uh, that if I could only have one CD, if I was trapped somewhere and I could only have one CD, I do think Nirvana Unplugged would be that one CD. I, I love that that particular Nirvana album, the Un MTV Unplugged, which was another thing from the 90s where uh, MTV had a show where they would bring bands on and it was called Unplugged and they would do acoustic versions of their songs and there was a lot of great albums come out from a lot of different bands during that time period. Which sometimes made the album a little bit better because you got to hear a whole different uh, sound inside mm -hmm. from bands you typically wouldn't imagine sounding like this such as uh, my favorite which is Alice in Chains Unplugged. Yeah, um, that's excellent. I, I love that. That's probably one of my top five CDs. Um, you know, speaking of the grunge alternative, I mean, I'm I'm pretty uh, favorable to a lot of the alternative music, and well, even today for what they consider alternative music, I like like as the Muse and the different ones like that. But right. you know, that's when you had bands come up like Nir well Nirvana, you know, Tonic, Train. I'm especially fond of, which later days they've trailed off to be more popish. Um, but back in the starting out period, that has to be my probably number three favorite CD is Train they're entitled train album that is right. a really good album um live you know you you had several different bands um that e even up into the later 90s like matchbox 20 yeah uh that that came up and this was considered like an alternative you had the foo fighters which was you know the band after nirvana um you know several different ones that have 
spinned off of alternative that had turned into being a different sound and bigger things that were still coming from this alternative source. Right. So, yeah, I mean, and in the 90s also, you had a lot of things that were going on with movies. You had some of the bigger movies, like my favorite, Pulp Fiction. Yeah. You know, that came out. Um, Silence of the Lambs, Point Break, uh, Fargo, which we're fond of. I love the Coen brothers. That's one of my favorites. The Big Lebowski, which is a favorite of ours. Right. Um, Although, ironically, they came out in the 90s, uh, but I did not view Fargo or The Big Lebowski uh, until after we were married, which was, in, I think, around the time I finally watched them was like, 2011, maybe late 2010. Yeah, I forget you were uh, one of these people that lived in a closet. And well, I mean, we kind of had different. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, jumping back to music before we get too far into movies, you know, you listen to a lot of the grunge and all that. But I mean, I, I went to a high school that was, uh, you know, 30% white, so I listened to a lot of rap and gangster rap, which was big in the 90s. You know, in the 80s, you had rap. But you had like the fat boys and you had Fresh Prince and his parents just don't understand. And you had like the Sugar Hill Gang, you know. and Run DMC. <clears throat> yeah, it's kind of like goofy, fun rap. And then uh, in the 90s, you know, NWA came along and uh, Too Short and Ice-T. And, uh, and then, of course, Two Live Crew kind of paved the way for everyone to make vulgar albums. And it's kind of funny now to think back on it, you know, like now it's nothing to get a, an, an album, no matter what sort of music it is, and hear, you know, cussing and all that kind of thing. But for uh, Two Live Crew to put out an album, you know, that said fuck and all these things numerous times, it was a huge deal and it was all over the news. They got banned. They banned it from stores, which made it that much more sought after. And of course, um, the NWA story has been well told recently in, the, in that movie that came out, Straight Outta Compton. If you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. They did a good job with it. I was I was actually impressed. It was pretty true to form as far as how it all took place. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, a lot of the a lot of the rap music, you know, did take off during that time. And you know, you had <clears> the the Boys in the Hood movie that came out that was really popular <laughs> yeah. too. Um, of course, Ice-T made that song Cop Killer, which it, oh, yeah. it, it got banned as well. And then the irony of that is in the 90s, you know, Ice Cube and NWA made Fuck the Police, and Ice-T made Cop Killer. And in the 2000s, Ice Cube makes Disney movies. Ice-T played a cop on an NBC, you know, primetime television series. So these guys evolved into something totally different. And probably into guys they would have hated and want to kick the ass of back in their heyday in the 90s. Oh, definitely, definitely. Yeah, you don't expect that the same people that uh, sung Fuck the Police would be doing, you know... Are we there yet? Are we there yet? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. um, I mean, I don't know, music itself just, it changed totally, but then you had, like, the happenings of the world that, you know, things were coming around differently, such as the the O.J. Simpson trial. Uh, no, your parents watched that on TV. I, my parents, we all watched that on TV. Yeah, because O.J. Simpson, there were sports icons that came about in the 70s and 80s and into the 90s. And O.J. Simpson was one of those guys who was a huge football star um the late 70s and the 80s. Then he uh, moved on to making movies. You know, he was in The Naked Gun and, and different commercials. He was a pitch man for all sorts of companies. So he was a well-known figure from everyone's childhood at that point. 
uh, who is now on trial for murder of his ex-wife and um, a guy who speculation is might have been her boyfriend, might have just been a guy who was returning something she left in a restaurant. Nobody will ever really know. Uh, but the whole country was captivated by that. Oh, it was on every TV everywhere, nonstop. You, you went to the Walmart, every TV was on it. Doctor's offices, TV was on it. I mean, you couldn't get away from the O.J. Simpson trial, even if you wanted to. Absolutely not. It was it was everywhere for quite some time. And, of course, I remember exactly where I was the day the verdict was read, and he was found not guilty. And, uh, wow, you know, what what a day. I mean, you if you watched the trial, you figured it was a slam dunk. He had to be convicted. Then when he wasn't, you know black people celebrate like they had won the lottery um you know it was it was wild and then that also brings another huge event in the 90s as far as trials go and that's the rodney king trial uh the not rodney king himself but the cops who beat him this guy was a a motorist who got pulled over who you know came after the cops some people say he was on PCP or God knows what. Other people say he was just an innocent young man driving his car. Nonetheless, the cops started trying to restrain him. He kept coming, took a vicious beating. That probably was a bit over the top in the end, but nonetheless, he didn't back down. But anyway, uh, the cops, who were coincidentally all white, uh, were they were found not guilty and of course the LA riots um, which are now um, a historic event and, and, and a sad event in our history took place where um, the city of LA was nearly burnt to the ground by people who were upset by that verdict and then of course fast forward uh, a few years later OJ gets uh, not convicted and it was a celebration so it's just yeah you know well uh, I mean that in itself, you know, was was a was a changer with our society and stuff. And you know, also you had you know not just things happening with people. You had technology that was changing, such as internet. You know, readily available in homes. You had dial-up internet for what that's worth. Uh, there's people today that that do not know the difference or have not experienced what dial-up internet is versus what we have today, which is Wi-Fi, which is the greatest thing ever. You can yeah. have internet anywhere you want, as long as you have a signal. Um, whereas dial-up, you had to have a cord. It had to be plugged in the wall through a phone line, and it accessed the modem through the computer, and it made this god awful <laughs> sound. And it took 15-20 minutes to load up a page. Mm -hmm. um, Lord forbid you tried to, you know, do instant messaging with somebody sometime. I mean, like AOL. Yeah. Everybody was in chat rooms at that time, too. There was AOL Instant Messenger. There was ICQ. And then there was all oh, these chat ICQ. rooms. So I, you remember ICQ? Yeah. Huh? I, I had an ICQ. I had a uh, Yahoo um, chat name. I had a mm. AOL uh chat name I, I i stayed in the chat rooms uh, a lot of people did back then. it was very popular you know you had old people young people everybody got the chat room and you well everybody was just so at that point i mean even then there were still people that were up to no good but yeah people were so fascinated with oh. the uh idea of i can get on here and chat with somebody on the other side of the world and not 
you know, pay huge long distance telephone fees well, or whatever. Well, I mean, whatever. I myself, I, I had, you know, pen pals growing up. I had mm-hmm. pen pals at, at, from Korea and China and different places, Brazil. So, um, so okay, quickly, you, know, you got a pen pal. Yeah. Qu- quickly take us through the process of what it would take to communicate with that pen pal. Well, um, they would send me a letter, and that would take a month mm-hmm. on their end. I would send them a letter back. It would take about three weeks to a month for them to get my letter if they got my letter. Mm-hmm. Nine times out of ten, they didn't get my letter because wherever it went to on the boat going to China, lost it. Right. So I would end up sending another one, and then that's another month, two months. So basically a year friendship. You're, you're going to get, what, two letters, three letters? Yeah, you've communicated maybe yeah. twice. This has taken a year, mm-hmm. and now all of a sudden, you can get on this computer and you can instantly message somebody in China, in Australia, in mm-hmm. Brazil, wherever, wherever, wherever yeah. your your heart yeah, and, that, and that's what I use my ICQ for because ICQ <laughs> is pretty international. You could, mm-hmm. you know, my pen pal from Brazil uh, could get on there, and I had her little ICQ address. We would go back and forth, but and basically it was like email type chat, not. Um, instant pop-up like what right, AOL and right. some of the ones were but I mean it, it made it, revol- it revolutionized things like that and at that point I mean you felt like you were on the Jetsons I mean you couldn't oh, imagine yeah. anything any better or why would you even want anything any better because that was so far advanced from the pen pal stage yeah. you know it was just like whoa this is amazing and then like you said and people <laughs> people were spoiled to this but you know like in those early days on the internet, if you wanted to pull up a picture of something, whether it was, you know, something in nature or a naked woman or whatever you was wanting to see, it didn't. You just pop up on your screen. You clicked it, and it started processing, and then a little bit of the picture would start to show, and then a little more of the picture started to show, and it was, I mean, it was quite the endeavor just to just to look at one one picture on the internet. Well, let's talk about when we used to download uh, music, like LimeWire or Napster, for God's sake. Oh, boy. Oh, my God. That took forever, ever. But it was so <laughs> worth it. I mean, I mean, here was another, you know, okay. And and we'll probably, you know, we're going to have an 80s episode at some point, and we'll, we'll probably get into this a little more. But, all right, as a, as a kid, a song comes out, and you like it. You had two choices. Well, maybe three at early at the early stages. You had three. You could go to the store and buy the cassette, which was a single most of the time. Which was a single. Mm-hmm. All right, you had three choices. You could buy a cassette, which was a single. You could buy a cassette, which was the whole album, or you could buy the actual album, a i e record. Oh, but you're forgetting the uh, the ghetto way to do it, which is the way I had to do it. We're getting there. What? play it on the radio. You had to wait for it to come on the radio and record it and cross your fingers, cross your toes and hope to God that jackass DJ did not talk over the beginning of the... I can't tell you like how many songs I had to record like three times. I'd be almost there. I'd be just a little bit left. Alright, there's Black Sabbath. God damn it! Now I gotta record it again because I don't want like a jerk with my friends when we're listening to songs, and now all of a sudden I got a half of a DJ talking on there because you know I got it off the radio. So, so now you were able to go on and download this song for free. You didn't have to go to the store and buy it. You didn't have to sit and listen to the radio for hours on end waiting for the song to come on. You could just go on there and download this song for free. Pretty much any song you wanted. 
and it was an amazing time to be alive until Metallica come along and ruined it and for everybody. Fucked it up for everybody. Everybody <laughs> and shut down Napster. But as quick as you could shut down Napster, you had LimeWire, and as quick as you could shut down LimeWire, you had BearShare and this and that and. Uh, and to this day, there's still versions of it, but at this point, it's hardly even worth it because you end up with some spyware and some bullshit, and your computer freezes up, and it's, it's just, you might as well just go to buy it on iTunes like a decent person. Yeah, and but. iTunes isn't that expensive, and that's that's a great thing. I'll, I'll, most people hate on iTunes because you have to, you know, do the Apple I'm sure thing. as hell one of them. Yeah, you're one of them, but I, I've beca- I've come into the technology of the Apple and the you know the iTunes and the iPhone, and as I do hate certain aspects of it, I do love the fact that I can buy a whole album without going to the store for five ninety nine. I got every single everything, even if I want the book, it downloads the digital book for me. But now I don't I don't have the luxury of flipping, taking the CD case apart. Taking the book out, folding it out, seeing all the pictures. It's got that smell to it. You remember the smell? Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, that's something that uh, there's a lot of people nowadays that don't know. They, they, they'll they never know the the joy of that. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, with the, the 90s, uh, we, you know, grew up in it. Like I said, we grew up, we were in high school in the 90s. I graduated in 98. You graduated in 96? Five. Five. Oh. Well. Wow, I don't know much about you, do I? I've only been with you for six years. That, and I that's seven, seven, nine, wow. five on all my stuff. That's uh, <laughs> that's my gr- I, the year I was born, the year I graduated. So oh, there you go. my bad. Anyway, but I mean, the nineties was a good time for everything. I I felt like overall, as far as the evolution of of music and movies and the world, just everything just kind of converged in the nineties. Um, you know, like I said, movie-wise, I touched on that a little while ago, but, I mean, you had some of the the main movies that came out at the time. The Matrix, which was a big, you know, icon chain, and you had the Jurassic Park, which, you know, came yeah. about. Um, you know, Forrest Gump. <laughs> I remember watching big, it. In, big, big 90s movie. Oh, but. yeah, I remember watching it in uh, current events in high school when it came out, when it finally came out to, to I guess, VHS at the time, yeah. or DVD. Um, we had sat and watched it, like, at the end of school, like, 20 times. Every class we went to had it on. <laughs> so, you know, it was, that was a big thing. But, you, you know, you think about the people that were in the 90s, too, like actors and um, comedians and different things of that sort that we grew up with in the 80s that had transformed over into the 90s. Well, okay. Hitting on just a couple of the movies that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Keanu Reeves. He was Ted to us. Yeah, Bill and Ted. Bill and Ted. Who you thought, okay, well he made goofy-ass Bill and Ted and it was funny for what it was. And now he's... But he moved on to the, the Matrix, Matrix and then he was, you know, an action hero in Speed and he made Point Break, which was another 90s movie that, that we watched here a, a while back. Yeah, which they redid that I, yeah, I just I'm can't bring myself to watch it. Um, but I think even more amazing... Well, we'll, we'll give two more examples. All right, you mentioned Forrest Gump. Mm-hmm. Tom Hanks. My earliest recollection of Tom Hanks was on a show called Bosom Buddies where him and, and the guy from Newhart dressed like women to stay in an all-women's hotel to get a cheap rent. And so, so this was like the cheesiest concept ever. And that's how he started out. And then he went on to be in Bachelor Party and The Man with One Red Shoe. 
and has since gone on. He's been been in all these iconic. You know, Forrest Gump is an iconic movie. Uh, Castaway. Castaway is another one. I mean, and you can go on. What was the Da Vinci Code and all these movies he's been in over the years, and now he's known as one of the great actors of our time. Um, and and big. I was a, I was a huge fan of that movie. Big when I was a kid, you know. And, and he had the movie with the dog at one point, but. Um, you know his progression as an actor took place in our in, entirely in our in our lifetime. One more to give. I mentioned him earlier. The Fresh Prince, the guy who sang "Parents Just Don't Understand" and "Nightmare on My Street," you know, went on to star in a sitcom, Fresh Prince of Bel Air, which was a good show, but still, you know, he didn't. He was funny. He didn't look like he's gonna be any kind of great actor. But since then, he's gone on to do Independence Day and Ali and all these different things that he's done over the years and he's an award-winning actor at this point and uh, to us he was just goofy ass Fresh Prince who sang silly rap yeah. songs when we were children. You know. Yeah which I had many types of. Oh yeah I had them all yeah. at one point. <laughs> I had them all. Um, Summertime. You know, and you know, touching on music, you know, like I said, Nirvana was a big, uh, big thing of the '90s. When you had Kurt Cobain yeah. and his apparent uh, mysterious suicide, which I, I myself, as many people think, okay, <clears throat> I, I kind of feel like he did commit suicide because he was a very troubled person. But even more so after watching the montage of uh, Heck, Heck. On HBO. Um, that pretty much tells me that yeah he did kill himself but there was a reason he killed himself and that was because of his <coughs> whore wife <coughs> Courtney Love well I mean who who couldn't um, who wouldn't kill themselves if they were married to Courtney Love I mean one of the I mean one of the most vile people that's ever existed I'm sorry never been a fan of Courtney Love never liked her music um, never like found Hole. any. I didn't like Hole at all, and uh, I've just never found any redeeming qualities to Courtney Love whatsoever. Yeah, well, I kind of have to agree with that. I'm, I'm, I like, I like, like I said, I like Hole. I have that one CD, that Celebrity Skin CD, that yeah. I like pretty well. Um, but her as a person, I maybe she's she's matured and she's older, and now I think she stands out as being a little bit better person than she was back then, but. She uh, she's just trying to make up for all the yeah. shittiness she's done, hoping she can. She wasn't a good person. Herself. She wasn't a good person with him, uh, and I, I, I think that maybe if his life would have took a different different turn, with maybe somebody else, maybe that wouldn't have happened to him. I mean, it might have. I don't know. Uh, well, but, you know, we've talked yeah. about a lot. A lot of the great musicians, a lot of the great artists, creators in the world are very troubled. You you know, Kurt Cobain, you look at uh, Allison Chains, you know, Lane Staley, you know, all his vast uh, addictions and problems that led to those addictions and, and on down the line, like, um, you know, another guy we watched in the 90s, we watched a documentary today, Jake the Snake Roberts, or, you know, wrestler. I mean, this the the things in their childhood that influenced them, that made them great at what they did, also destroyed their lives outside of whatever made them famous, you know, and it's sad, but a lot of that went on in the 90s for sure. Yeah, but then you had people that were uh, killed or died by somebody else's hand, such as like Phil Hartman, you know, his yeah, crazy, think, crazy wife killed him, so... Uh, uh, one of the greatest comedians, one of the funniest guys ever on Saturday Night Live, yeah, that's such a sad story, you know. 
and then you have the ones like John Candy, um, who was, you know, one of my favorites growing up. Yeah. That died of apparent drugs. Um, you know. Chris Farley. Chris Farley. Um, you know, I mean, you just had several people. Uh, you know, River Phoenix was a was a young guy that died in the nineties that I was a fan of because I watched a lot of his movies growing up. I felt like I grew up with this dude. Yeah. Um, because you seen him in Stand by Me, and you know, you just kind of he he. You wonder what he would have been had he lived. You know. Yeah. He's, he's got his brother Jocelyn. His, his brother's eccentric as hell, but oh, he's done yeah. a lot of great movies and and been an influential actor as well. And uh, you wonder if he'd go if he would have went on to be as weird as. <laughs> As weird as his brother or, or not, but you have to think he would have probably made yeah. some great films and uh, been right up there with uh, the DiCaprios and the Brad Pitts and the people of this age because he kind of was coming along that same progression that they did to get where they got. Exactly. And then a huge icon of mine, movie-wise, that died in the 90s was Stanley Kubrick. Yeah. Um, he brought us, you know, Full Metal Jacket, Clockwork Orange, which you haven't watched, but I've seen many times. I remember seeing us a couple um, of scenes of it when I was a kid and being freaked out by it on it's, the it's very, It's very, very weird, and uh, I would say, and most people probably would agree with me, that if you're on drugs and you watch it, it, it's probably the greatest thing ever. But I've never watched it on drugs, so I don't know. I've watched it sober, and yeah. that's... It's very strange. <clears throat> it's very different. He was He was ahead of his time. He's very futuristic on most all his uh, movies that he did. The Shining uh, was one that was really good. And yeah. as far as me being a horror lover, uh, that was probably one of my favorites. Yeah. Um, my weird fact of the week is actually a little bit related to Stanley Kubrick. And okay. I'm sure you don't know this. And I don't know, there may be a few people that do. Um, he died exactly 666 days before January 1st, 2001. Do you want to know why that's ironic? Why is that ironic? His 1968 uh, movie he made, 2001 A Space Odyssey, took place on January 1st, 2001. Oh, okay. So, and then of course the six, 666 is relevant for all the... Yeah. You know, End of the world, Mark of the Beast. Yeah. Yeah. Which is very weird. He died of a heart attack, but um, it's very, very. Well, you very know, hard. most of my knowledge somewhere along the way ties back into wrestling. So my only knowledge of the 2001 movie is the fact that that theme is what Ric Flair come out to for years and years. You know. So. Oh, see, I didn't know that. So <laughs> yeah, that's some wrestling knowledge. There, there you go. go. I always got some of that. If you else. know, you know it. Um, but and then of course you know my album pick of the the 90s episode we're doing today is is going to be Train their entitled album Train uh, which my favorite song off of that is Swaying um, and Idaho which are two very different songs and it, like I said that album is totally not like anything they do today but it is a very good album I think another interesting uh, tidbit unless I'm remembering this wrong um, the 90s, which we're talking about, of course, rolled into the the infamous Y2K scare uh, as we went into the year 2000. And most people our age remember what they were doing on New Year's Eve, uh, 
going out of 1999, leaving the 90s into 2000. And ironically, I do believe you were at a train concert. I was. As the 90s came to an end, you were actually at a train concert when, for Y2K. When the, when the clock struck 12, I was actually standing front row at a train concert. And it was a very intimate concert, right? Only about like 300 people went to this. Mm-hmm. And it was train, it was Vertical Horizon, and one other band I can't remember for the love of anything, but I was there for training Vertical Horizon because mm-hmm. Vertical Horizon had that "You're Everything to Everyone" song that was just so popular and all over. Oh radio. yeah, He's everything you want. Yeah, okay. exactly. I I, and it is a good album too. Um, but Train was uh, was one of my favorite bands then. You know, all through most of the end years of my high school days, and that. You know, it was a big thing to go see them at New Year's Eve. Right. You know, Y2K. You know, of course, everybody's freaking out, thinking, oh, my God, you know, everything's going to mess up. And What am I going to be doing when the world Things are going to blow up. And, oh, you shouldn't. I got told I shouldn't go because it's in Birmingham. And what if everything blows up and blah, blah, blah. But we went anyway. And as, as they're playing at 12 o'clock, the power goes out at 12 o'clock. So everybody starts screaming and freaking out. And then the power comes back on two minutes later. Yeah. So for a minute and a half uh, I was in the middle of listening to Meet Virginia and the power goes out and I swear I thought to myself if I die listening to Meet Virginia that's that's probably good but then again that's probably somebody's hell so yeah probably <laughs> probably was, so but that that is exactly what I was doing at the point that it, it struck 12 on Y2K and that's interesting interesting story it's better than mm. I was drunk in Chris Kilgore's garage with him and Tony Dabbs and a bunch of the wrestling dudes and you know, nothing real memorable there. Just another another Friday night for us or whatever it was. But, wow. Uh, you were at a train concert in Birmingham, so that's a yeah. much cooler story. I'm going to have to make up a better story so that at least <laughs> I can hang with you on. Well, you know, back in the 90s and uh, the the late 90s, I must say, into the 2000s, I was quite the concert goer. Yeah. I, we could I, do a whole, and we may actually, uh, could do a whole episode and a half of just the concerts you've been to. Uh, I've been to quite a few. I mean, if you count in the the city <laughs> stages, the the um, river fests, of course you had the big Alabama June jams that are oh, no yes. longer existent now, which yeah. I, I totally miss. Um, I don't know. There's nothing like sitting out in 100 degree weather, <laughs> drinking beer, sitting out in a patio chair with about a thousand 2,000 other people listening to a band play up on stage. I've seen country acts. I've seen classic rock. I've seen rap. I've seen alternative. I've seen rock. I've seen just about everything. You've stood in our driveway and listened to 38 Special playing downtown Albertville at one point. I did, and I kind of enjoyed that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I don't enjoy to go to them as much as I used to, but there was a time where I, I did rock out quite a bit. Yeah, I uh, you know I worked for the Coliseum in Tupelo and got to see a lot of free concerts, uh, big ones like the Eagles and Kisses Reunion Tour and all that, and uh, a lot of a lot of cool stuff. But I, I'm at an age now where I just don't like people as far as being in crowds of them, and uh, it, it really really uh, puts a damper on my enjoyment of the of these things when I have to be in a big crowd of people. Well, so. and mine was always the, for especially the the city stages, which was 
a great experience to go to um, overall because you spent this whole weekend in Birmingham. Yeah. And you've seen all these different acts on however many stages they had all through the weekend. I seen everything from jazz, I seen blues, uh microwave Dave and the Nukes, actually. Jesus. Um Did I you see seen, the Velcro pygmies. Yes, I've seen other... I've seen the Velcro pygmies. Um you know, I mean, just several different bands and tops of bands and tops of people. I mean, you had everything from, you know, hippies to young people to old people to everything. Every kind of class, everything. But depending on who you would go see, if it was one of the bigger people, such as Charlie Daniels, who played one year, I got to see him. Mm. Um, people would cram in to the stage, right? Or when I went the year they had Kid Rock, oh my God, I almost got in a fight. <laughs> that year right. um, you know people throw stuff they throw beer they you know they're smoking pot all around you and I'm not a, I'm a beer drinker but I can't stand the smell of beer yeah. if if you pour it out around me or it, on your back or, or hit me in the head with it and it runs down my back um, I'm not very um, I don't know I don't like that that's just not my thing and when you get that many people in a closed area and it's hot and you've got that smell of beer, and the smell it's like this garbage, just uh, bo because it's bo. Outside it's it's just it's not one of those things that if you had to look at it and go, okay, I can go stand out with a bunch of these people and listen to this music, or I can just go buy the CD and sit at home and drink a beer and it'd be cool, air conditioned. You kind of go towards the house and the beer and the CD. So I just don't do it as much as I used to. So I kind of took you off on a different path there. We got kind of going on the concerts, but what's some other '90s and uh, things that went on there? And I know you've got some notes, so I don't want to not miss anything. But um, like, what's your favorite car that came out in the '90s? I know you're you got a couple of cars that you're oh. a big fan of that I know you <laughs> you'll want to speak. Oh, on. you you mean my my love of the 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 cars back in the day. Um, yeah, when I was in high school, I got really, really involved in model cars mm-hmm. and racing cars and uh, just sports cars in general. I mean, I had a subscription to Car and Driver. I mean, I I freaking love. Which not many women yeah, do. Yeah, so I, I, I know, and that's, that's so weird. Interesting. But it's just, I don't know, the Dodge Viper, the RT10 was my car back in those days. Like, if, if you were a dude and I seen you with that car... You, you might have, you might have got. They were getting lucky that. Yeah, night, you huh? might have got lucky wow. if if I could touch that car because that was it was pretty hot. Um, I have a picture of me somewhere next to one. Uh, two pictures actually. Yeah. yeah, I used to go to the world. World of Wheels was very popular to me back in the nineties because I did go every year and that was always one of my go to cars when they'd have that uh, black, red leather interior. Mm-hmm. Absolutely my favorite. Okay. Yeah, I've, I've I've known you've had a a soft spot in your heart for the Vipers. So I thought if we're going to talk about the '90s, we should probably bring that up because yeah. that's which, uh, which you know, my true love lies with a Hemi. Oh, yeah, the sound of a Hemi. This is yeah. Well, I've I've seen you in action when you've heard the sound of of a Hemi and and other engines and you. Know, uh, you you lose lose control. But anyway, that's another that's another podcast with a different rating, so we're not going to go down there. Um, now, you know, it's funny we talk about movies from the nineties, and you've you you know you named off a few, but um, you know, I think another 
big movie from the 90s for a lot of people like us and a lot of people that were sitting in that room with us here a couple of weeks ago in Nashville was Clerks. Oh, yeah. You know, the rise of Kevin Smith took place in the 90s. You, you did have the rise of Kevin Smith. Yeah. Um, and Mall Rats and on down the line. And we won't rehash that because we just talked about it, but I just thought it was it was pertinent to mention uh, since if you're going to have a show about the 90s, you do have to talk about that. That's uh, when he came... Uh, came out with Clerks and uh, really uh, influenced how movies were made and changed uh, the the uh, atmosphere of, of movie making and, and kind of changed how it was done and uh, a lot even, even though a lot of people hate on him that aren't fans of him there are so many movie makers you can see that he was you know an influence on and of course another highly influential movie maker who uh, started out in the 90s was of course uh, somebody you're a huge favorite of and that's uh, Quentin Tarantino oh yeah uh, who um, I didn't used to be a big fan of I watched Pulp Fiction and I thought it was amusing for the quotes but I didn't like his I didn't like how he made the movie like the whole out of sequence and all that stuff I just didn't dig it at the time I've come to appreciate it over the years, but now you've introduced me to some of his other movies that I didn't see. Of course, Reservoir Dogs, um, we've watched several times. Uh, I, to me, and this is probably one that's more obscure to some people, like his favorite movie, or my favorite movie of his is actually um, Death Proof. Death Proof, <laughs> Stuntman Mike. <laughs> that's that's my favorite Quentin Tarantino movie, and I've and. I've seen them all. We bought a box set at one point, and, I, and I've watched the Kill Bills. Um, I've watched uh, even like Jackie Brown. Like I've, I've seen them all at this point, uh, short of maybe one or two. And uh, I, I've come to appreciate. Of course, his later films that we've seen. We watched The Hateful Eight recently. We finally finished. We had a <laughs> we had a three year, two three year intermission in Django where we watched the beginning of it. And then finally saw the whole thing recently, and I, I did like that to the point that I've been on, I've had quite, uh, been on quite the kick here lately trying to convince you to let us get a little black kitten I can name Django, which I've failed at thus far, but I, I will, I will <laughs> remain steadfast in my, uh... You're still gonna fail. The, <laughs> we have two, two cats, two, two cats is plenty. Uh, yeah. One of which is locked in a room right now because she would not be be quiet she was running and jumping all over the place and then of course bb is asleep in a cabinet right now and so that's why the background of this podcast probably is the quietest one anyone's heard so far because usually they're running around and jumping on things and making noise and doing what they do that's but. true that's true so uh have we pretty much covered i'm sure we haven't covered all of the 90s because there's so much that happened in the 90s it's um, I mean it's like it's a, it's a decade. You know well, what I'm, I'm gonna t- hey, I'm gonna tell you uh, a TV show that came out in the '90s. It's one of my favorites, and I know for a fact it's one of your favorites. Oh yeah, Seinfeld. Uh, again, another show that's very influential on the way TV shows were made and the way people wrote comedy, uh, at least for sitcoms, uh, came out in the '90s. And we still watch them to this day. There's episodes I've probably seen 10, 20 times, and I could pop them in right now and watch them. Thousands of times. Oh, yeah. And uh, from that, we have grown to be big fans of 
Curb Your Enthusiasm, which is another Larry David show, which isn't from the 90s. I think, well, it may have started in like 99, yeah, tail end later, of the 90s. later 90s, but, I think. Um, you can see his humor, and you can see uh, the influence of Larry David, that the, that the George Costanza character was uh, Larry David <laughs> for basing oh, yeah. his experience and everything, but... Uh, that's that's a that's a big TV show from that time period, and wow, I mean, trying to think of, of what all we grew up on around. I mean, you know, in the nineties, when like when I was in high school, I remember Friday nights you had the big TGIF on ABC. You had all those shows oh, yeah. in the nineties, the, the the Family Matters and all that, you know, all those shows that come on every Friday night. Well, and, and the majority of, like, what I think about when I say 90s is, like, MTV was still music video television then. For the first, I'd say the, first, the first half. half. I would say about the first half and then into mm-hmm. the second half. Uh, that's when, you know, Beavis and Butthead started, you know, becoming popular in the real world. And uh, by the end of the 90s, you couldn't Which, find a, a music video on there. I thought the greatest thing during that time was the, the liquid television. I loved watching liquid television. Which, if I'm not mistaken, that's what Beavis and Butthead spawned it, it from. It did, it did. And um, a lot of the other ones, like Aeon Flux did. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I think that's, if I'm not mistaken, that's where I may have seen Aqua Team the first time I ever seen it. It, it probably did because that was they, they kind of where weird uh, shorts, shorts yeah. type cartoons started and of course Cartoon Network later gave them a home um, at ni- late at night where all that Adult Swim Adult Swim spawned mm-hmm. from originally from Liquid Television and, yeah. and all this, this strange <laughs> strange cartoons and shows that, that sprung from that. Uh, of course, you can't talk about cartoons in the 90s without bringing up South Park. Oh, yeah. Um, which we just watched some episodes of the other night. And uh, I think it's, I think it says a lot for their writing ability that they have been able to be on for this many years and still find creative ways to stay relevant and still uh write episodes that comment on current social situations but still make it entertaining enough that people still watch it because usually anything would be stale by now oh yeah and uh they they still find creative ways to to make fun of of everything that's going on in society at the time i swear my favorite south park is the one where grandpa wants everybody to kill him <laughs> and he keeps come calling here, billy. come here billy i'll pay you a dollar to kill me yeah. this is probably my favorite yeah, I've I've got quite a few favorites. That one is definitely definitely a, a, a favorite of mine. Um, I, I don't know how I would narrow it down to to one, but that is definitely um, in the top top five for sure. Now, of course, us here together. If we're going to talk about favorite shows from the '90s, I don't know how we're uh, 42 minutes into this podcast, and this is just now coming up because this is something that we have connected over. Uh, since since we first met, and that being Mystery Science Theater 3000. Yeah. Started yeah. in the 90s. It did, um, and I, I was a huge fan of Mystery Science Theater. And, and I know we've touched on it in a, pri- on a prior episode of the podcast, but um, just I just find it funny that, that there's people out there that, that don't get it and, and don't find it as funny as we do, but I'm telling you, 
if you're on the fence about it or if you've seen random episodes and you didn't like it, I'm telling you, find the Mitchell episode. And if you don't think that's funny, then just don't watch TV anymore. Just kill yourself, I guess, because it's, it's one of the funniest things I've ever watched. I, I don't it. know. Like I said, comedy's subjective, um, much like art. Yeah. Art and comedy, to me, music, everything's subjective to people. So what we find is totally awesome. I'm sure other people go, ah, oh, they're a bunch of nerds. It sucks. But I I don't know. Yeah, well, they're stupid. And yeah. They don't, it's not their podcast, so yeah. fuck them. So. That's, that's true. That's true. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> I mean, um, I don't know. Like I said, 90s was a, was a big time for me because it was us coming out of our teenage years, going into adulthood, um, into the year, you know, 19, 18 years old. You know, I got my driver's license. I'm almost able to drink. I am yeah. actually am drinking, but I'm not telling anybody that. Um, not yeah. legally anyway. Um, you know, I had a lot of, a lot of changes in myself through the nineties, you know, due to the music change and my lifestyle change and different things. Um, I got more responsible. You know, I had a job all through high school. I worked at a, a KB toy store, which was fun. Um, yeah. that was a different thing at that time because that was something that we had then that I don't think you have many of those now no, either I, if, um, if you have any they're very few I think they yeah, completely died out or they're outlet stores that have just a like the over over shipment of stuff that Toys R Us gets but I mean I actually worked at a KB, KB toy store and that was a, a very interesting thing at that time because you had the you know, Tickle Me Elmos that came out that were a pain in the ass and you know, oh, yeah, you got to see oh, the yeah. worst of people. Oh at God! Holidays. That was when I think I seen people in retail the ugliest was when the Tickle Me Elmo came out. If you didn't have a Tickle Me Elmo, you got cussed out like seriously, like threatened, life threatened. I'll slash your tires when you go to your car at night because you didn't have my kids Tickle Me Elmo, damn you! And I've always wondered, you know, how would the kid feel as they open that up on Christmas Day to know? All the douchebaggery their parents uh, pulled oh. to get them that that oh so important gift that they won't play with ten minutes. Yeah, they'll pull the head off of in two weeks. Yeah, I, that was I don't know that was an interesting time during during that time for me because I had that job while I was like part time going to school, which wasn't too bad. But um, I did develop my my love of art through the nineties. Um, you know as you know, I'm a pretty huge art fan. Um, I have certain artists that I like to have things of. I, Salvador Dali is, is one of my most favorites because he's very different. Mm -hmm. I, I just, I don't know. Some some people call his stuff very weird. They don't understand it. I, my, I, I just love, I mean, like right now we have a, a print of swans reflecting elephants hanging up in the living room. It's my favorite. Mm -hmm. Um I know some people look at that and go, oh my God, it's some weird shit that dude was tripping, but, and he might have been, he was a very strange, unusual man. Yeah. Um, you know, he believed for years that he was his dead brother's reincarnation, which, you know, they said he had schizophrenia, and that may be <clears> the, the truth when you look at some of his paintings, it yeah. does reflect that. Van Gogh is one of my favorite uh, artists, and I have a lot of his works in the house um, that I that I love. You know, I absolutely love. But art is maybe for another episode because I've got a very interesting story to tell about um, 
Yeah, we'll yeah. Uh, we're going to do an episode talking about our time in uh, Kentucky. We spent about nine months living in Lewisport, Kentucky, and no, you've probably never heard of that. Um, and there no reason why you why you should have. Uh, you'd have to look it up on a map. But we spent nine months up there because of my job, and uh, we had. A very little bit of time to have a few adventures up there, but one is most interesting, and it does pertain to art. It pertains to some very famous art, and uh, we'll just leave that as a teaser for for a future episode because I do think uh, that that'll be interesting. Plus, some of the other things we got to experience up there that we hadn't previously or since because it's unique to that area, yeah. and you just can't experience it. I kind of feel like that would be uh be best left for our '80s episode because I felt like we had took a time travel back to 1982 uh, when we lived there because the whole town, the people, the atmosphere was very Backward. backwards. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We we probably felt like we traveled there in a DeLorean <laughs> of some sort uh, because, yeah, it was. It was uh, very simple and, and old school there. and uh, Which wasn't necessarily a bad thing. No, not, not at all. Yeah. Not at all. But uh, as we... As we wind this one down, uh, I feel like there's some really obvious 80 or 90 stuff, I should say, uh, that we're missing. Um, but I don't, I don't know. This is why I should make notes because I don't. I just go by the, the seat of my pants, as they say. But um, we almost left off South Park, Seinfeld, a new a number of mystery science hey. theater we, we almost left off a lot of pertinent stuff i stay cracked on decongestants what do i know well that's what we do so, is uh, uh, you know, we, get, I mean, we get rosie uh cracked out on on decongestants every sunday and then we record these and then we let her make mistakes and then let you call her out on them so yeah. if, if there's been anything in this episode uh that is factually uh incorrect please Please, the real Rosie J on Twitter, go in, let her know, and uh, send her a message on Facebook if your friends on Facebook, and, and let her know because she likes to be as historically accurate as possible. I, on the other hand, don't care if I said it wrong. Oh well. Well, a lot of times I don't think I mean to say it wrong. It's well, just you know. Obviously, don't mean to. Yeah, but. it's just that you know I'm thinking about different things and just I, my time frame on some things is all. Well, what was the one? Uh, what was the one in the last episode that you said that was wrong? I know you've tweeted it out, and it's out um, there. Well, now, I didn't. I didn't that particular one. The one I did or the one last, before the the one the first episode we did. I named uh, Marie Curie as the person that invented penicillin, which was not correct. That is Alexander Fleming that created penicillin. Um, the second podcast, my mistake on it, um, I don't know what the second was, but the third podcast we did, <laughs> I'm sure there was one on the second one, I just don't remember yeah. what it was, but the, um, the, the third podcast was the, the first music video that was on MTV, I said, was John Cougar, Mellencamp, Little Pink Houses. Well... In my mind, that is the first one because it is the first one I remember. Now, granted, it right. wasn't the first one ever aired on MTV. That was uh, the the very weird video killed the radio star uh, yeah. by whatever the name of that band was that did that. Um, one hit wonder, you know. Yeah, but you know anybody that's got that kind of time to know that or or take the time to look it up for the sake of argument, great. That's awesome. 
thanks for listening. That's cool. You know, yeah. but I mean, I, I get too upset about it. It is what it is. Uh, like I said, I, I'm sure I say all kinds of stuff that isn't uh, factually true, but you know, it gives people something to do. It gives them something to Google and look up and Wikipedia, and then they can message us and correct us and, and feel good about themselves. So. Yeah, well, it's all in no, fun. Yeah, it's absolutely. So if you are one of the chosen few that's checking out the Jackson Reaction podcast each week, we want to first say thank you very much. That's awesome. And we also want to say um, if there's any particular topic that you think it would be fun to listen to us ramble on about for an hour, please feel free to tweet that to myself or uh, Rose Jackson at the Real Rosie J or send it on Facebook or wherever you might uh, contact us at, and we will put that into the list of topic suggestions because we have been coming up with things that we want to talk about, things we think we find interesting and hope that you find interesting as well. And if you use Twitter, hashtag the Jackson Reaction Podcast. And that will let me know that you've uh, you've got something you need to send to me because I, I check that pretty regular, that Twitter account. Yep. So by hashtagging the Jackson Reaction Podcast, um, maybe if you have a complaint, you like it, tell me what you think. Um, you know, suggestions for future episodes, whatever the case may be, um, please do so at the real Rosie J at Twitter, hashtag the Jackson Reaction Podcast. There you go. And they will be read and they will be taken into consideration. We do promise you that. So, uh, I guess that's uh, all that we have for the 90s. Kind of surprised. I was afraid this one was going to run long, but actually this one's going to come in slightly short. So perhaps I'll edit in some fun stuff at the at the end of the episode. If, for those of you uh, who've been listening, uh, if you stick around to the very end, there are usually some kind of odd, fun uh, songs or audio clips from movies, TV shows, or who knows what uh, to check out at the end. So always. Always stay tuned and, and check those out. Let us know what you think about those and if there's anything you would like to hear uh, a random clip from a movie or song or whatever, let us know and we will try to look that up for you and make it a part of the podcast in a future episode. So, before we go, is there anything else on your mind? Anything you want to throw out there, plug, you want to talk about at all before we we sign off and you watch the Game of Thrones here shortly? Uh, no. No, I think that does it for the real Rosie J. Alright. And, and surprisingly, um, she didn't mention one of her favorite shows that she had on last night that came out in the 90s, Sex and the City. Oh. She's a, well, a huge I, fan of that. I thought I might save that it. for a, another another time. Uh, oh, okay. But yeah, I am a huge fan of Sex and the City. Um, I don't know what that says about me, but uh, yeah, I, I do enjoy the douchebaggery of the women on Sex in the City. It's, it's always been a favor of mine. Uh, then, of course, another HBO show that came out in the 90s that I'm a huge fan of, and you turned out to be a fan of as well, is The Sopranos. The Sopranos. Maybe yes. we'll uh, we'll spend some time talking about The Sopranos on a future episode, because um, in my mind, one of the greatest TV series of all, of all time. Oh, most definitely. 
So that's it for this week. Uh, what's on the agenda next week? Do we know yet, or are we gonna let everybody wait and find out? I think we'll let everybody wait and find out. All right, that's always fun. You don't know what you're getting until next Sunday. So uh, that's it for the Jackson Reaction Podcast. I'm Gene Jackson, and I'm Rose Jackson. Thank you for listening. We will talk to you again next week.
Colombian cargo. We fit a stereotype, that's what he said. Big long car for big black heads. Cops keep jocking, grabbing like gators. About stereotypes, I'm looking nothing like Noyega. Cop took my wallet, looked at my license. His partner said, Damn, they all look like Tyson. Yes, I'm legit, so they gotta let me go. This bucket ain't rolling in snow. It's my booty. Booty, booty. Hey.